Welcome to Affinia, a community of thousands of cybersecurity executives and vendors. In this show, we interview senior go-to-market leaders to find new actionable tactics, insightful tips, and best strategies. For more information, check out Affinia.com. And now, welcome to the show. Maroon, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking uh, your time for this. As we start, can you maybe talk a little bit about your current role and what's in your purview? Uh, hello, everyone. This is Varun Kohli. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Sequence. Uh, Sequence Security is a leader in API protection, API security, and I run as part of my job all things, all aspects marketing, which is product marketing, demand generation, comms, PR, customer marketing, so on and so forth. I understand. I understand. And uh, um, how did you get into cybersecurity marketing? What's so this is what you're focusing on right now, but that's kind of a point in the arc. Where, where did it yeah. all start? It's actually very interesting, I would say. I would not say I planned it too well. I actually stumbled upon this thing. And funny enough, uh, Misha, I'm a, an engineer by education. So I went to the school in India, uh, mm -hmm. IIT. I don't know if you have heard of that school. Have you heard of that school? I think it's one of the, um, there was kind of one, there was a handful of schools, it's kind of like uh, um, Ivy League um, schools, some of them for technology, some of them for government service, and it's uh, it's highly competitive to get in and excel, so kudos. You're right, that's the one. So the technology one is the one I'm talking about. The best way to explain it to someone who doesn't know about IITs is, um, it produces two kinds of people. One, great engineers, who are running uh, companies like Google, CEO, uh, ex-Twitter CEO, they went to IIT. So that's one kind of people it produces, great engineers. And two, it produced me. So those are the two kinds of people <laughs> it produces. <laughs> with, that, with that background, uh, I'm fairly technical. And the other reason why I tell you this is my wife makes fun of that. I learned how to write code for six years, bachelor's and master's in computer science. Wrote it for one year and now coming to your uh, question, uh, stumbled into marketing because uh, I used to write code and uh, one of the companies I wrote code for got acquired. As part of the acquisition, a lot of executives left. There was no one to present the solution. I started presenting the solution to customers and lucky for me, nine out of 10 customers bought the solution after I presented. So that is when the CMO, of the acquiring company came to me and said, uh, do you want to do product marketing? And I said, how do you spell that? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, then uh, I said, what if I do both? For six months, I will write code and I will also do marketing. Um, let's see how it goes. And that six months was 15 to 20 years ago. I still do write code at times, uh, guilty of doing it. But that's how I stumbled into cybersecurity and cyber security marketing interesting and um it's you you have quite a career because i noticed on your profile uh you worked for smaller companies that were later acquired um, by symantec you worked for mcafee that was acquired by intel it's almost like you have this magic touch whichever company you work for eventually is, uh, will get acquired by by a bigger player uh that was pretty amazing and i guess uh a testament Thank to you your uh, both technical skills and marketing skills. But it's, it's, it's actually interesting. I think it's 
it's interesting that there is no kind of one true way as to how people get in cybersecurity marketing. Some some go from technology to cyber, some go from technical background to marketing background. But to your point, when you're writing code that scripts computers, but you use words to script minds, right? So it's actually, uh, I think, persuasion. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm personally just fascinated by the subject, but I think it's there are certain parallels. Uh, there's they're similar in certain ways, right? It's uh, there are certain nuances, right. obviously, but uh, but they're not completely foreign to each other. And from that perspective, um, as you can imagine, uh, you've been in this field for for some time. Cybersecurity is a as an industry is just growing and ever expanding. And at least up till now, that things have changed a little bit. But up until now, it seems every other week there is a new company launching a product, raising tens of tens of hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so I think it's just to show that there is so much more interest from not just from the VC standpoint, but also from the industry standpoint. I think no one wants their name uh, in the in headlines in the New York Times in, in their own context. So as a result, I think a lot more people are going to cybersecurity, both on the technical side and the marketing side. So from your vantage point, from based on your experience, what do you recommend maybe some of the more junior professionals, someone who's just starting a career or looking to switch, or maybe still at school, what do you what do you suggest they focus on? What are kind of the top three things where they should be spending their time? This show is brought to you by Athenia, where we host one-on-one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of CISOs in our community. To host a briefing of your own, go to affinia.com and click sign up or click the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I, I think I'll come to that. Thank you for the kind introduction to my profile. Yes, I've worked at around 10 companies, eight of them were acquired uh, or went IPO, uh, ranging in $200 million to $13.3 billion uh, range. Uh, so fortunate and lucky to be able to do it. That's one thing. Uh, very grateful. Uh, coming to your question, what would I recommend? And the other part you were touching on before I come to your question is uh, sometimes people go from technical to the uh, marketing side. Sometimes people go from engineering to product management, I would say. Uh, but one thing that is common, I would say, is um, storytelling. When you are doing marketing, leverage the data that you have in a way that you can do storytelling. Uh, what I mean by that is I generally do not like having data with no s- story and having story with no data. I don't like doing that. So if you're collecting any data, make sure there's a way to tell story. And again, coming back uh, to your question before I do that, one example of that is uh, at my last startup, it was a mobile security startup. And mobile security, you would think is very geeky, very technical, very enterprisey, very boring. What does it have to do with today's show? How did we make it to today's show that is watched by 5 million people in the United States in the age group of 19 to 45? And most of those uh, age group people are actually moms. So what do moms have to do with mobile security? Why would today's show have a mobile security startup on their show? And that is an example of storytelling. So as part of the mobile security um, solution, there was an app. When you're connecting to a Wi-Fi network, we could tell you, is it a good Wi-Fi network or a bad Wi-Fi network? Is it doing something fishy or not? So we took the data that we have, everything that we had collected, 
took a look at uh, Business and Leisure magazine top 10 tourist destinations, and then we ranked those destinations by their maliciousness. How likely are you to get attacked if you take your phone out and connect to a Wi-Fi network in Times Square versus Vatican City in Italy? And that was a story that was uh, great for today's show. And they had us uh, on uh, today's show and 200 plus TV channels. So that is where, uh, now coming back to your question, my recommendation to people trying to come into cybersecurity marketing uh, is to go fast, full steam ahead. I would highly recommend it. Why? Because cybersecurity is like insurance. Insurance has been around for the last 100 years. It is still around. It will likely be around in the future as well. Mm-hmm. So is the case with cybersecurity. Every time there is something new, mobile comes, mobile security becomes a thing. Cloud comes, cloud security becomes a thing. Identity players come, identity security becomes a thing. Virtual devices come, virtual security becomes a thing. IoT, IoT security. Autonomous cars, autonomous car security. No matter what we do, if we are doing something to make our life more convenient, security loopholes will walk right in. And there will be startups that will be created, companies that will be created to plug those holes, to secure those devices, secure those mediums. So for the young ones out there, um, always look for what's the new thing that is happening right now. Mm -hmm. Where, Where are people spending their free time And that's going to define what's coming ahead of you and where you should focus um, your career. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's very interesting. Like for uh, it's what changes in the world are happening and how, what kind of security potential issues that creates. Uh, For example, I, I know some of this was kind of very rapid and fast, but COVID work from home just created a completely just it was just a completely shifted the frame of reference for a lot of people because all of a sudden before they had one environment and now they have a multitude of environments people working from home god knows what kind of networks and how they were patched god knows what kind of links the kids are clicking on that are on the same network that connect into your secure environment who has access to what it's just completely complete nightmare over very short very compressed period of time so to your point, I'm sure that created a tremendous opportunity for organizations that are addressing those needs and enabling safe, uh, secure work from home, uh, mobile devices or remote access and things like this. So, so I imagine similar tectonic shifts that may be not as rapid, but, but apparent. It, it's an interesting perspective to look at them as an opportunity of what security implications those shifts would entail. It makes a lot of sense. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and another example of that is uh, people say software is uh, eating the world. And the current company that I'm at, Sequence Security, uh, we say that APIs are taking the biggest bite of that software. The reason why I say that is you talked about people working remotely. And there's this culture of people used to go into office, food was catered, especially at a bigger company. Now it's not being catered. And if there are companies who are saying, go DoorDash it and we will pay for it. Every time we pick up our phone and DoorDash, it actually touches 12 different mediums. Uh, 12 different, um, there'll be a geographical location. There'll be a menu lookup. There'll be a distance calculation. There will be payment made. 
all of these are different systems. So how do you get your arms around all those things? Uh, I talked about autonomous cars. Every mile we drive, there is probably hundreds of API calls being made. And this is a trend that we noticed five to six years ago, which is why I bet my career on API security. And if security is growing at 9%, API security is growing at 29%. So those are the trends I would say that young people should look into uh, when they're picking careers. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, <clears throat> to pick on something you said, uh, telling stories is very important because people, I think, evolved by I don't know, tens of thousands of years ago, sitting around the fire telling stories before before iPhones and iPads. It was... Uh, was story was the, the way people were driving the point across. The world is changing in a way that it's just it's becoming increasingly noisy noisy in every channel, uh, emerging channel being efficient in the beginning gets very quickly overrun. I know email when it first appeared had hundred percent response rate. Now it's much it's uh, probably less than one percent. I know, Facebook ads, uh, uh, conference conferences, uh, I don't know, webinars. It's it just it's the, the you can name any tool, any channel, any venue. Eventually, it becomes less effective over time. Right. What what is working for you now as far as telling like, telling the story and connecting with, I know, potential someone who could be potentially having a client. What's what is working for you now? This show is brought to you by Athenia, where we host one-on-one -on -one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of CISOs in our community. To host a briefing of your own, go to Athenia.com and click sign up or click the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. I think uh, one thing that, and you're absolutely right about uh, storytelling, that's what makes us human. Uh, story is the only thing that makes us human because animals also produce signs. Uh, sounds. They also communicate. But, but sitting by the fire and telling your stories is what defines the whole humanity, I would say. So I would say marketing is a key part of that, uh, of our existence. Um, having said that, uh, the things that are working for us and what I would suggest uh, others focus on is personalization. As you said, we went from 100% response rate to maybe less than 5% response rate on email. We have these endless scrolls going on. People are sitting on their phones and keep on scrolling. It doesn't end anywhere, be it uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And you only have their attention for a fraction of a second. So you have to come up with something that is very personal that they're going through right now, something that is very uh, eye-catching, something that has high graphic uh, part of it involved in it. Uh, and third or third part is make it very, uh, the best way to put it is market onto others the way you would like marketed to you. So that is very, very important. How would you buy? Would you click on that? Would you want that spammy email come to your inbox? Would you want to fill in 200 different fields on a form? Just ask yourself that question. If I'm making my customer do that, is that something that I would do myself? If the answer is no, do not invest in that marketing. Make it easy for them. Provide value. If you're writing, let's say, five blogs a week, make four of them on providing value to the customer. Make the fifth one about your product. 
don't always be on their face like give me your information give me your information give me your information no that's not the way to market mm-hmm. you provide value they will come back to you you provide value again they keep on coming back to you they will give you their information if you are the right partner for them do not make it very uh, obnoxious i would say that would be my recommendation absolutely well and to your point if you provide enough value at some point it creates almost a social uh, contract that they feel they've received so much they learn so much from you that they feel compelled to give something in return their time contact right. details so it's but you can't you need to deposit something in this relationship account before you can withdraw anything and absolutely right and it's usually multiples you need to uh, deposit 10 units of value to withdraw one so it's a, it usually right. and when kind of to continue on this thread a little bit uh, to double click we, we talk to cybersecurity marketers and they kind of the fine line they they tend to walk and, and sometimes it's not without challenges is that how to balance storytelling and how to balance playing the long game building a relationship uh that's it's usually takes longer and it's more challenging and now a noisy world on the one hand balancing that with the pressures of the business when the company's run on a quarter by quarter and the sales need to make their numbers and and they they kind of apply pressure and like we need to harvest intent so just focus on intent because that has the the, the fastest sales cycle so and often marketers kind of feel that they are being relegated to the role of lead generators rather than demand generator generators which is talking to the 80% who are not ready to buy rather than chasing the 5 10 15% who are ready to engage right now how do you how do you balance those two um seemingly uh div- diverging perspectives i think i'll give you two answers to this um So number one is do not put all your eggs in the same basket. So I'm not saying you should only do the storytelling part. I'm not saying you should only do the ABM part. So there is intent. There are buyers who are ready to buy, and you can do some of the projects or investment in that bucket. But at the same time, you have to invest in the long tail. You have to create a partnership. If you try to fool people into thinking that your solution is the right there will be huge churn you might not have a problem today you will have a problem in uh, one year from now so do that balance of things and i'll come back to that uh, the second point i would say is define your icp ideal customer profile you actually have three kinds of people it doesn't matter what you're selling it doesn't matter which cybersecurity or not you're part of uh, number one kind of people is they do want your solution they want sequence that's the number one thing so you have to when they come to your website you have to do a great job of telling their story know who they are give them the value on what is uh, uh something that they're looking for right now that's one thing the second kind of buyer is they know they want your category of solution they know they want api security they don't know they want sequence so in that case you have to do things where these kinds of buyers are spending time abm they're doing searches they're doing uh, google searches they're looking at tech target data so you have to be in front of those buyers so that's where you make your investment the third kind of buyer is who are not looking right now they might know someone who's looking right now or they might look at a solution in the future 
So you have to do that comms piece, the storytelling piece, uh, make them sign up for the long tail part of the content. So you have to focus on all three kinds of buyers. And that's a sign of a long term business. We're not in it for a year or one year, two years. This is how you create massive, huge, big companies by focusing on all three kinds of buyers. Interesting. So essentially, your point is you segment, so you segment your potential clients into buckets of sorts, depending on how far along they are in their customer journey, and you create tailored messaging instead of cramming all of them through the marketing and sales funnel. You create different tracks with different messaging and different different story for for the ones who are ready to buy, for the ones who are, are aware of the problem. They may be aware of the providers, but they have not chosen you just yet, and and others who are vaguely aware of the problem, but just they're putting out other fires and and, and uh, your problem and your solution for whatever reason is not a priority right now, but you still want to have some sort of communication with them. Correct. Absolutely right. It's not just messaging. Also invest in the tools for these three buyers. Also invest in anything else you're doing and keep on measuring. I said, I'll come back to it. So one quick comment, every dollar you put in, keep measuring what's coming out in the pipe. I call it a golden ratio. Some of you might have heard of it. So I think if you're putting a dollar in and if $10 come out and you're going to close one in the five deals, you're doing great. But $5 come out in the pipe and you will close one in five deals, it's a wash. So keep on measuring, keep on experimenting, keep on doing the things that are good, uh, golden ratio, 80% of the time, last 20%, keep on experimenting. That's how I like to run marketing. 20% is experimentation, 80% is keeping the lights on. Awesome. Thanks. It's a very interesting, very interesting insight and, and feedback. I appreciate it. Um, switching gears a little bit, uh, 2023 is not too far away. What are your biggest plans for 2023? Um, I think speaking of uh, as market here, not talking about the personal plans here, uh, I, I think uh, this is tough climate that we're part of. Uh, you and I are chatting here. We cannot be um, not thinking about our, our community, what's happening to people at Twitter, at Facebook, community at large. So my heart goes out to them. I'm here to help each one of them the way I can. Reach out to me if you lost your job, you're looking for a job, you want me to monitor, uh, give feedback on your resume, you want me to connect you with someone I know, if, you're, if that helps you. So that's one thing. And the reason why I mentioned this is it's going to get hard in the near term. So everything that you're doing, what, what I would say is go big without going big. That's my recommendation to marketeers. And what I mean by that is it's going to be a tough economic, uh, macroeconomic uh, environment that we're part of. Do not overspend. Consider VC's money, investors' money as your own money. Would you invest in that thing or not? If the answer is no, if it can be done in three quarters from now, go do it in three quarters from now. Do the things that's going to add immediate pipe, immediate customer uh, value, as that helps you keep the lights on for the longer term. So I think 2023, uh, unfortunately, we thought uh, 2020 was a hard year with COVID. Then we thought maybe 2021, it's all going to be over. We thought 2022, definitely it's all over. But we're in the midst of a war going on, layoffs happening. I'm sorry I'm not bringing positive news. Uh, but it is the time of survival of the fittest. 
So if you take if you take these things seriously, and I think you're investing in your company, your career for the long term, that is the way to go about it in 2023. Absolutely. No, it makes a lot of sense because it's uh, at the end of the day, if, if it's a venture fund, funded startup, then the the outcome either being acquired or going public, well, going public, it seems like the window has closed, but a lot of companies still have some growth in front of them, but raising subsequent rounds, up rounds, you need to demonstrate growth and in, in this kind of environment, growing as rapidly as before, investing in the growth uh, will be somewhat stunted by the fact that companies will have a hard time raising substantial substantial rounds of VC funding because I think that that market is becoming a, a lot more judicious than in the past. And that's, that's it's certainly a very sound and, and wise advice, not even for venture funded startups, but I think for businesses in general and, and, and marketers in general, because it's to your point, marketing is often one of the first things to be uh, reined in when the, the winds, the winds turn. So doing more with less to your point, going big without going big is make, makes a lot of sense. But, um, but from kind of the tactical perspective, I know during COVID there were no, large scale events or any sort of events. So it was all webinars. Then it seems like that has receded. And I, I went to RSA and Black Hat and both were very well attended. Um, right. I think companies are playing with other different ways to get the message across, across the, across the spectrum from demand generation storytelling with people who are not ready to buy to um, more kind of advanced um, tools for identifying intent and, and harvesting that intent. Um, what what kind of programs or tools will you'll be leaning on more uh, or less in 2023? Yeah, I think events is definitely something that's coming back uh, after two years of not meeting people as a community. Uh, we want to hang out with people. We want to meet with people. So events is something that I'm definitely going to double down on. Uh, number two is, if not physical events, on the digital front, uh, webinars, there has been a fatigue uh, for virtual events, webinars. Uh, don't stop doing it. Don't overdo it. Find a balance between your physical events and uh, digital events, if you may. And then digital programs like uh, SEO, uh, PPC, those should be your things. And one thing that is common across all of them is uh, the BDR function. And uh, that's working exceptionally well for us. Some people call it ADR, LDR, SDR, all the same things, uh, sales, account, business, or lead development reps. Um, this is where, again, the human connection comes, again, where personalization comes, where providing value comes. Uh, that would be something that I think we'll double down on. So events, SEO, PPC, uh, BDRs. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Varun, again, uh, whenever we're coming up on time, and thank you for being so generous, offering your help with people who need a, uh, know, guidance or uh, networking opportunities or advice on, on resumes and, and things like this uh, with everything that's going on in the industry. But um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Is, are you on Twitter? LinkedIn. I'm on all of all the mediums being a marketeer. So LinkedIn is uh, Kohli Varun. I think uh, that's my handle. On Twitter, it is DK underscore is. 
But search for Varun Kohli uh, on Google. If I'm doing my marketing right, I should be the first one who should show up. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, again, Varun, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Thank you, Misha. Appreciate it.